This episode of Peanuts Gallery is brought to you by Mendelssohn's Pumpkin Patch. <laughs> Mendelssohn's Pumpkin Patch, the sincerest pumpkin patch in all of town, wherever that might be. Once I have written a theme song, it will go here. I'm Molly Lewis. I'm Josh Kagan. And this is the Peanuts Gallery. And today we are talking about 1966's It's the Great Pumpkin Charlie Brown, the second of two Charlie Brown specials that year. Interesting fact about this special, uh, via Mental Floss's 10 Things You Didn't Know About It's the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown, and Here's One Weird Trick. Charlie Brown's All-Stars, which preceded this special, uh, did really, really super well, as did Charlie Brown Christmas. And so the production team thought, this is great. We're just going to make these forever and ever. And instead, CBS basically were like... Yeah, we need another holiday special. We need something we can run forever and ever and ever. And Charlie Brown's All-Stars ain't it. Because it's just kids playing baseball and dogs surfing. And that's not... That is not an annual occurrence. So uh, so they came up with this, which is about five minutes of Halloween-themed material. And then about 45 minutes of a dog being shot at. Some interesting firsts for this special... This is the first special that used the It's Blank Charlie Brown title template, uh, which is Which now is a joke template that we've been leaning on for the last couple episodes. Us and a little social media network I like to call Twitter. This is the first appearance of the World War One Flying Ace uh, in animation. Mm-hmm. And, of course, the uh, first appearance of the football yoink. That's true, which are both uh, things from the strip, which yes. are now in the televised canon. Yes, Here's a synopsis of this episode. Go for it. Synopsis. It's Halloween. A boy believes in a giant pumpkin that will bring him toys. Nobody else does. Kids go trick-or-treating. One receives rocks. The boy sits in a pumpkin patch all night and is then taken to bed. Also, a dog has a rich fantasy life. Synopsis. (laughs) Initial thoughts on uh, It's the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown. Molly, Um, Lewis. I did like... um, I hadn't, it hadn't really occurred to me. We were talking about uh, with the Christmas special that the first line is, I think there's something wrong with me. And it's made me very aware of what the first lines of all of these are. And the first line of this special is, you didn't tell me you were going to kill it. <laughs> Which was a big hit in my house when I was a kid. Uh, we are definitely, we have definitely retreated from the Fast and Furious-esque uh, opening uh, pre-credit sequence yeah. of Charlie Brown All-Stars, where he's running and jumping and leaping and there are explosions and whatnot. But I feel like visually, they really hit a stride with this one. Absolutely. Uh, I am, and I suspect, uh, hopefully I won't say this for every special, it's just been so long since I've seen a lot of these, I think this is my favorite out of the three. So far, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think it is superior to Charlie Brown Christmas, and I think it is definitely superior to Charlie Brown All-Stars. It is a nice mix of the sort of gentle contemplative moments of Charlie Brown Christmas with some good character beats, and uh, it's it's not about Charlie Brown. No, I was appreciating – it's not quite about – it doesn't beat up on Charlie Brown. We kind of beat up on Linus for a change. And I feel like there are some things that they couldn't have done in the strip, like the extended Snoopy going through the countryside, Snoopy crying at, you know, old songs from the war and stuff. (laughs) And those jokes just wouldn't have carried in the strip at all. And I feel like the first two that we watched kind of, they seem strip-like. There's sort of these little tiny arcs, um, but... They kind of it felt more like a TV special and less like an adaptation of a bunch of comic strips. Totally agreed. Yeah, this is uh, this special marks. I feel like truly the beginning of peak Snoopy. 
Yeah. This is this is the point. And there was and there was no going back. Where I think from this point on, literally every special has an extended sequence of Snoopy doing something that has literally almost nothing to do with the affair at hand. I don't necessarily think about World War One when I think about Halloween. Um, no. <laughs> and yeah, once we come back from the credit sequence, we get uh, 20 minutes of Snoopy blowing a leaf around. Yeah. And there's uh, about 20 minutes of Snoopy um, silently moving through the French countryside and like the trenches. And there's another three days of Snoopy crying as Schroeder plays Long Way to Tipperary. Um, Songs just... that we would never have known about without Peanuts, I suspect. Like, hearing that music, my brain immediately went, oh, long way to the Tipperary. Which, it's not like we sang that in music class or anything no. like that. My grandpa actually used to sing it to me because I thought it was funny for some reason. Because you associated it with the Snoopy? No, he would just, like, sneak up on me and go, hey, Molly, what? Long way to Tipperary. And I thought it was, f- I don't know why I thought it tipperary was Tipperary is a funny word. It is a funny word. It's got the... That was probably it. Yeah. But I think it's sort of in the Hello, My Baby family <laughs> yes. of songs we wouldn't know without cartoons. So our uh, so our pre credit sequence, as Molly said, is Linus and Lucy uh, going to the pumpkin patch to pick out a pumpkin. Uh, along the way, uh, Linus picks up an apple, takes a bite, and throws it out. And my note was, brought, brought to you, you by, by Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola. <laughs> <laughs> Remember, kids, fruits is for suckers. Oh, natural sugars are the worst. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Drink our slop water. <laughs> there is something viscerally disgusting about taking a pumpkin apart. Like, it yeah. really it really does. It is one of the few vegetables, I feel like, that in order to dismantle it the right way, you look like you are hauling You have to eviscerate it. Out yeah, of it. absolutely. Um, and it makes me wonder. I mean, Linus, this is Linus's special. Absolutely. Um, And it makes me wonder, like, again, we've talked about that Linus is probably a few years younger than everybody else, Mm -hmm. but it seems like he's perpetually stuck in that part of childhood where you're experiencing literally everything for the first time. Mm -hmm. Uh, Has he never seen a pumpkin be taken apart? Do you know what I mean? There's that difference between, like... Uh, to use the Christmas analogy, because the whole special is basically a Christmas analogy. There's a difference between like sort of you walk into your living room one day and there's just a tree there. And then that day that you're aware like, oh, no, everything has to be hauled out and decorated and blah, blah, blah. It's that sort of that light switch goes on from things just happen to, oh, no, every there's a process. Yeah. Well, there's that's kind of the the problem with every child in this universe, though, is they don't learn from their failures. Because I was kind of wondering, like, how many times has this happened to Linus? Because it seems that there's this sort of banked resentment on everybody's part. Because there's a scene we'll get to where he's writing a letter to the Great Pumpkin, and seemingly everyone in the whole town comes through and says, "You blockhead!" I have a theory about that. <laughs> um, <laughs> we'll get to that in a bit, Linus. Uh... So Linus is horrified that they're murdering a pumpkin. Uh, and actually, now that I think about it, it's probably even more horrifying to him because he believes pumpkins to be sentient, gift-giving creatures. Yeah, there's some sort of uh, divinity about them. Right. And now they're carving out its, <laughs> its very viscera. Yes, it would, it would be like if for Christmas uh, you were to clean out the head of a bearded man. <laughs> or just <laughs> maybe it is. Maybe that's the most horrifying thing I've ever. Said. I was going to say like collect beard trimmings or something, but 
That's what tinsel That's... was originally. No! It's true. There's an actual opening credit sequence in this. Yeah. Uh, which, for the other two, it was just generally like, here's a title card. Now here's some more children being sad. This actually, and you're absolutely right. The animation game is on point in this. Mm -hmm. They blandished the fuck out of it. (laughs) Um, There's actually like overlays of spooky cats and witches and stuff and children running around being scared. It looks good and it is actually a little scary. Yeah. And the sequences are more than like four cells of animation. It's really nice. Um, Something I noticed uh, in the pumpkin carving thing that I made a note of and then kept coming back to is Linus didn't have a blanket through this whole thing. Except in the pumpkin patch. Did he he have a – oh, well, when he had to send the letter. Yes. No, he – But the blanket didn't really make an appearance in the pumpkin patch either. It was – Well, he used it when he was shivering at the end because he's an unaccompanied minor left – Sitting in the middle of a pumpkin patch. In the middle of a pumpkin patch at 4 o'clock in the goddamn morning. Yeah. He is using his uh, blanket for warmth. But the blanket was kind of only there when it would have made sense to have a blanket. It was like, how is is Linus going to get – this letter into this mailbox. Ah, oh, blanket stunt. Well, why is blank? Why is Linus sitting out in the cold? Well, he would have a blanket. Oh, that's right. Canonically, he has a blanket, but it wasn't. I feel like he wasn't leaning on the blanket so much in this one as he has. My my wife uh, pointed out when we were. Uh, this is uh, going back to the Christmas special because you. And it I, always does. Yeah. You and I. You and I discussed uh, that when he is giving uh, the uh, Jesus speech, he's not holding his blanket. And uh, Kayla said that she had read chatter on the internet uh, that that is on purpose because when he is talking about the good word and the baby Jesus, uh, he does not need his blanket. Mm -hmm. And in this, his only Jesus is a pumpkin. And he's spending a lot of time talking about that. So it strikes me that maybe Linus only needs his blanket when he is unsure of things. Right. And, and he's in this very episode, certain in this He's one. very certain that the great pumpkin is going to come. Very dogmatic about it. And, yeah. and bring him things. It's just a little thing. After we get back from the uh, opening credit sequence, Snoopy blows a leaf around. Uh, Charlie Brown is raking up some leaves, which is the first evidence in this universe, animated anyways, that anybody has chores. Yeah. Um, or and, and does I, anything. I think it's the first time we've seen Snoopy be legitimately helpful about something. They have a really nice moment. Yeah. This is the first special out of the three that I feel like you actually see little glimpses of like, oh, these people sort of like each these other. These are functional relationships. Yeah. Somewhat. Yeah. And, and, you know, and Charlie Brown and Snoopy have a nice moment and they kind of smile at each other because before that, they almost seem like roommates. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Only one has to feed the other, which is sort of <laughs> which is sort of pet ownership. Yeah, and one of them sense. lives outside in uh, the doghouse. And then Linus uh, holding, and this is, if I'm not mistaken, directly from the strip. Uh, Linus jumps into a pile of leaves with a wet lollipop, uh, and it is all very adorable until Charlie Brown's response is to wave his fist violently at Linus. Mm-hmm. And I made the note: uh, characters aren't this tightly wound in mammoth plays. <laughs> Like there's, there is all, there is always an under. Even though there's, there's a little more, this is there's a little more gentility in this episode. Uh, there's always that undercurrent, like it, any trespass is committed. This could go real Lord of the Flies, real quick. <laughs> very quickly. Mm-hmm. Then uh, we, then Lucy asks uh, Charlie Brown, "Do you want to kick the football?" Um, and uh, that goes on ten, fifteen. Yeah. A couple hours. This special's about uh, three hours long, I think. (laughs) 
Although I very much enjoyed uh, that Lucy uh, brought a signed document this time. Mm-hmm. And I kind of want to see that document in its entirety. I do too. Or is it just a piece of paper with Lucy's name on it? <laughs> and did, it did, is, there, is it co-signed? Did Linus co-sign it? <laughs> yeah, and she, she pulls the football away from Charlie Brown via like a legal loophole in the system she's devised <laughs> because she didn't get it notarized just to remind us that like charlie brown really puts his trust in like empty social institutions well it's a signed piece of paper you can't fake that yeah it's legally binding because yeah. that's totally a thing in this universe like well we've signed a contract for you to be the director of this christmas play therefore you have to do it <laughs> there's a lot there's a fair amount of lawsuits that could come out of this episode i feel like i think so, as soon as like lucy decides you know what i'm the town psychiatrist and also the town lawyer then things could go real south sure for everybody <laughs> she her power is unchecked yeah absolutely um although there is one moment where and i think this is also a first there is a moment later on in the special where they're bobbing for apples lucy's going to demonstrate and an unseen character is like you've got the perfect mouth for it Mm -hmm. and she doesn't punch that person yeah she's just sort of like oh almost like almost like she's like the boss and, you know, it's like, oh, it's, being a, razzed. it's a holiday party. I guess I got to take my legs in here. Did you notice she was hosting someone else's Oh, absolutely. Party? Yeah. That is Violet's party. But Lucy is like, all right, now we're doing this. And it's just, it's that unwritten kind of, if Lucy's at your party, yeah. she's going to take over. She's basically the party planner. Yeah. Just. <laughs> party planner, psychiatrist, lawyer. My house is full of pumpkin viscera, so Violet, you have to host. <laughs> there is, Lucy is just terrible. Yeah. But in this episode, I feel like she is the least terrible mm-hmm. out of the three. Of the three sort of pre- – well, compares, compared to who? Sally and – Oh, no. Compared to Lucy in other episodes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Compared to the Lucy of a Charlie Brown Christmas and the, the Lucy of Charlie Brown All-Stars, she is not as malevolent of a presence in this. No. She's kind of a nag and she's a naysayer. But really that's the – she doesn't – I think she threatens to pummel Linus exactly once. Sure. Which is which is real growth for her. Yeah. And she pulls away the football from Charlie Brown, which she gets an incredible amount of enjoyment out of and – uh, I could theorize all day again about Schultz's attitude towards women. Yeah. To say the least, it is complex. <laughs> and then we get to the uh, thrust of the episode. We see Linus writing his yearly letter to the Great Pumpkin. Mm-hmm. Seems It takes a very familiar tone with the Great Pumpkin. Yeah. Although at first, uh, Charlie Brown comes in and is like, what are you doing? And Linus- I would imagine Linus writes a lot of letters, though. Yeah. Wouldn't you think? Yeah. Strongly worded letters to the editor. Yeah. Um, Dear Ghost of September. Well, they talk about – in stuff that I've read about this, they talk about how The Great Pumpkin is a parody of Santa Claus. Oh, yeah. pretty pretty obvious. This whole special is – it was described, I think, somewhere as a Christmas special but wearing a Halloween costume. Right. Uh, And it's in that same Mental Floss article. It talks about how Schultz uh, always thought that Santa Claus was bohunkus. And there's an interesting philosophical conversation to be had here uh, because at one point, Charlie Brown is like, when are you going to stop believing in things that aren't real? And Linus's retort is, when you stop believing in the jolly man who says ho, ho, ho and has a beard and whatnot. And then I wrote this down. Charlie Brown says, we are obviously separated by denominational differences. Which is super funny. Yeah. But the bigger question here is, I think, 
Does Linus... So does Linus think that Santa Claus is not real? Because he's basically saying... Because Charlie, if Charlie Brown is saying, why do you believe in a thing that doesn't exist? And Linus, Linus basically his comeback is, well, why do you believe in a thing that doesn't exist? Right. It's kind of the flying spaghetti monster ar- argument a little bit. Like, well, if you can believe in this thing, then I can believe in my thing. You right. Know? But people who believe in the fl- or people who purport to believe in the flying spaghetti monster do not actually believe in the no, flying spaghetti monster. No, I don't monster. believe so. Um, I'm sure there's somebody I'm sure out there. somebody – yes. I, 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 just as much as I'm sure, like, there's somebody who actually believes in the Church of the Subgenius. But they don't leave their houses a lot. No. But, I, so, but it goes back to the question is, does – does Linus not believe in Santa Claus, but does believe in the Great Pumpkin? Or is there a part of him that thinks that all of this is a fiction and it's just sort of like, here's the fiction that I choose to believe? He seems to really believe in the Great Pumpkin. So I think that's the linchpin for the rest of the argument. And I don't know, because he says, oh, when you stop believing in the dude in the red suit that says, ho, ho, ho. And he says it like derisively. Right. Like, you, don't you feel like an idiot now? Both legends are equally ridiculous if you were to explain them to a person who doesn't who had no knowledge of Santa Claus. Yeah. But the question just becomes where did Linus even get this idea in the first place? Mhm. Um, Cuz there's there's sort of uh, sort of traditions and constraints to the, the great pumpkin I guess is drawn to sin- a sincere pumpkin patch which is yes. not really defined no never i have a lot of notes about that and he is threatened by hypotheticals if you say oh if the great pumpkin shows up then that's a strike right. on your record it strikes me as something that maybe a parent or grandparent said to him as a joke maybe like <laughs> you know one of the meat lumps uh, sort of <laughs> Sort of, or maybe this was before the accident, <laughs> right? And there was never, and there was never an opportunity. Uh, once that uncle's mouth was melted over, there was never an opportunity for him to say, "Look, I was just kidding, kid. There's no such thing as the Great Pumpkin." Right. Obviously, it's a misconstruement of the Santa Claus mythology. Right. But I definitely remember from childhood, like adults saying things to me as jokes that I took on faith were real. Uh, until they corrected me other like my dad used to uh, when I my sister and I would bug my dad like oh let's go out you know let's go out to dinner let's go get you know McDonald's or something he was like nope I'm taking you to Broccoli Hut and there was a uh, it was one of my dad's only jokes and there was I think there was a solid year-long period where I was like well maybe there is a restaurant called Broccoli Hut what proof do I have I I never leave the house, you know, except when people take me places. So this could absolutely be fact. It also could have, as parents, it could have been a response to, because if if Linus is so skeptical about uh, Santa Claus being a thing, but the parents didn't want him to feel like neglected on Christmas morning. So they went, but there is another thing that brings presents mysteriously, you know, like. Oh, I see what you mean. So maybe, maybe Linus figured out that Santa Claus isn't real. Yeah. But his parents were still like. Oh, okay. Well, we need we to. We got to drop some presents on this child anyway. We still we still need this child to believe a lie. Yeah. Right. We need some sort of behavioral thing to keep this child in line until they know better. <laughs> because otherwise he's a loose cannon. Right. Yeah. I made a note. This is in no way a special about Charlie Brown, but instead charts Linus's progression from helpful man of faith to possibly the dumbest character in the canon. <laughs> like, it is 
it is a besides uh, besides in the last episode, Shermie going from kind of uh, Bronx tough guy in the first episode to mealy mouth simp in the second episode. To by the way, gone, gone. gone. Goodbye, Shermie. Unless he's one of the uh, kids covered by. Uh, I was wondering who the child in the coonskin cap was. There's a child who is dressed like a ghost, but also wearing a coonskin cap. Yes, uh, obviously the ghost of Davy Crockett. <laughs> right. But Molly, what if it was a ghost? It wasn't. Uh, <laughs> Uh, so uh, Linus invites Charlie Brown to go fuck himself and Charlie Brown. Well, because everybody in the neighborhood comes through. Yeah, I have the note. Do all of these children live in the same house? And I think we have to really look at this as a possibility. Right. Um, that they have that that once the uh, of course, once the industrial accident that turned all of the parents into meatlups who sound like muted trombones mm-hmm. and gave all the children giant heads and uh, stopped their growth forever and ever. Because do they ever send letters to each other? Because Linus is writing letters to Santa and the Great Pumpkin and drops it in a mailbox. How do we know that that mail is ever going to get collected? It isn't. I mean, it's just these no. are the things that they do to make them to keep themselves. So sane. addresses and like homes are probably irrelevant. Yeah. Um. And, like, we'll get to it later, but we see Lucy's bedroom at the very end of this episode, and it looks like an old-timey boudoir. It's incredible, and I I don't believe that that was furnished for a child. I think she must have stolen that from some meat lump that can't get up the stairs anymore. <laughs> it does. It, look, it could have been, like, a grandparent's room, or... I mean, it is, for all intents and purposes, Lucy's house. Yeah. Or everyone's house. Maybe. And she's um, just in the master bedroom, yeah. and everyone sleeps on the floor. On her pumpkin drippings. <laughs> yes, because while Linus is writing this letter one by one, every, the dog, uh, Patty, every child in the neighborhood seems to come in just to tell Linus that his shit stinks. There's really leaves. no characterization for Patty other than, yeah, what Lucy said. Which is essentially Violet's character as well. Yeah. They are uh, they, they are basically like Lucy's shadow warriors. Her yeah. Kagamusha, if you will. Right. She's Regina George, and then there's <laughs> yes. the other three. <laughs> Her tufts. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then the final, uh, the final a child to uh, wander in uh, from <laughs> from the outside parentless hellscape is Sally, and this is the first time in these three episodes that Linus has not rebuffed Sally's advances. Right. Sally comes in and is like, "Oh, you're adorable. What are you doing?" But it does not say my sweet baboo. But of course, that is always that's coming. Uh, it's, a, it's in the pipe. Yeah. But uh, and this is the first time. Linus isn't like, please go away. You're weird. Because he sees an opportunity to indoctrinate her. Sure. Which is gross. Yeah. It's a little gross, I feel like. I feel like there are kind of, in in all the specials we've seen so far, there is some, like, like in All Stars, it was Charlie Brown on the mound and everyone walking up to him and going, like, don't fuck it up. Hey, Charlie Brown, don't fuck it up. I yeah. need to go practice Beethoven. And this seems like one of those. Like, time is kind of compressed. And it's not like people were waiting in a single file line with, like, a take a number <laughs> to go take like, a piss out of Linus. Like the people who wanted to slap that one passenger in airplane. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, two lines, no waiting. Everybody make fun of a child. <laughs> Step, roll up, roll up. They just, they, they've taken, like, the marquee for whatever theater in this town. And it's like, hey, everyone, let's take a piss out of Linus this afternoon. <laughs> it's a single file roast. Yeah, at house number B, you know. <laughs> The Van Pelt compound. At Fort Lucy, we're all going to go take a shit on Linus. Be there or be square. And Linus basically talks Sally into 
almost believing in the great pumpkin. And then Charlie Brown is like, he actually has the line, what are you doing to my baby sister? Which is a horrifying thing to say out of context. Yeah. But it really is like, hey, you weirdo, get away from my sister with your crazy talk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's nice that there's an awareness of like, okay, well, Linus is just poison. Let's just yeah. get, let's get her away. And then there is a, uh, and then Linus uh, finally finishes his letter after every every child in town calls him an asshole. Uh, we we can only assume this took days. Yeah, it's uh, just a, it's a gauntlet of scolding, and I feel like yeah. that's a that's on the bingo sheet for every of these specials. And then oh, his P.S. on his letter because basically the letter he's writing is just like, please bring me toys, and I believe in you, and nobody else does. And then P.S. If you're not real, don't tell me. I don't want to know. Which is, if it is a gentle satire of faith, because I, you know, I I believe Schultz was a man of faith, but it is certainly, it is interesting to see in this universe somebody questioning their own beliefs. Right. And sort of by, like, accepting that they might be delusional, but not wanting to know if they're delusional. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, he walks out to deliver his letter to nobody. Uh, passing Lucy, who's watching TV, reading TV Guide, which has a picture of Lucy on the cover. It's true. Which, again, leads me to believe that in this universe where the children run free, mm-hmm. uh, there hasn't been a TV Guide published in years, probably. They're not getting any new things. I would like to believe that Lucy has created her own TV Guide. <laughs> I would believe that. And has put herself on the cover. And I'm sure if you were to open it up, it would be all hand-scrawled episodes of, like, uh, you know, the Lucy – Life with Lucy, the Lucy show, Late Night with Lucy. Just in every little grid, it's written, Lucy's great. Yeah. <laughs> and Lucy stars in The Christmas Queen. <laughs> Please send your nickels to Compound B. <laughs> Linus uh, – Linus is going to go deliver his letter. Lucy follows him to be a jerk to him. Mm -hmm. Like, you can't reach that mailbox. And I'm not going to help you. And I'm not going to help you. And besides, there hasn't been a postal service in years, you fool. (laughs) That box goes nowhere. Uh, And uh, and then Linus uses his blanket to uh, defy the laws of physics. Do some asshole blanket wizardry. Yeah. I, I, I made the note. These characters have two modes, furious or smug. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and and this uh, and this jibes uh, in my own personal experience with most children I've met. Mm-hmm. That's basically their two modes. Yeah. Speaking of smug, after the forty-five uh, minute Linus mails a letter sequence finishes, uh, Charlie Brown runs up to Lucy and was like, "I got invited to a party," and then does a dance that well, made me think, uh, "I want nothing good ever to happen to Charlie." I Brown. would describe it as a jig. Yeah, he dances a little jig, and there's that. Uh, again, Garaldi's music on point, mm-hmm. and his his joy is disgusting to me. Which uh, and, and this is a thing that I have no like. And this was also in Charlie Brown's All Stars uh, when he uh, gets to first base and he's like, "I got a hit! I got a hit! You can't tell me I didn't get a hit!" And it's like, you well, if you're going to be a dick about it, yeah, you need to learn that occasionally good things happen to you, yeah. Uh, and, I, and, you know, one can make the theory, well, like, it's so rare that Charlie Brown gets any victories. He's, not, he's not practiced humility in the same way, maybe. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But it's just like, oh, I, you're, you're, your jig is disgusting to me. <laughs> um, and, then, and then Lucy's response is like, well, this was an error. 
Yeah. There were two lists, one of people we were inviting and one of people we were not inviting. I have to believe that that second list just said Charlie Brown. And maybe Pigpen. But Pigpen's at the party. Pigpen is at the party. I There's a good chance that Lucy might just be saying this to be a jerk. Yeah, because she's still salty about, you know, Linus getting <laughs> into the... Into the mailbox without her successfully mailing a letter. Yeah. Urgh, so mad. I need to grump at somebody. Um, and it's not even her party. No. And I, I mean, it's it 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 could be that they're they're petty enough to make a everybody in town and then Charlie Brown like two separate lists, or it could be Lucy just being a blockhead. Yeah. Um. But he still goes to the party regardless. He does. And I, I want to note, he seems like a fine party guest, you know? It, yeah. He seems to have a fine time and nobody's... It's not like he, you know, drops an upper decker in Violet's toilet or anything. He's <laughs> seems fine. It's... uh, I even made the note, and it's not even particularly funny or observant, but it's like... It just looks like a nice party. Yeah. It looks like these kids... Total, totally bitchin' decorations. Yep. Really, really, really on point there, Violet. They did, they did well, and I assume it was Lucy... Pointing and just like, just yeah. inhabiting, just walked into Violet's house. Yeah, hey, <laughs> hang these up. All right, bye. So we see the kids. Uh, we see the kids getting ready for Halloween, mm-hmm. and they're all putting on their costumes, and they're all slagging on Linus, which I thought was kind of refreshing for how much people slagged on Charlie Brown. In the, they're just like just gossiping about like what's he doing? Oh, he's sitting in the pumpkin patch. Well, oh, what an asshole. Oh, okay, yeah, Ghosts. because Charlie Brown has again. This isn't really a special about Charlie Brown, and there's nothing. He's got no pressing business. No. Um, they do give him a little crap uh, for his Halloween costume. They're all dressed as – most of them are dressed as ghosts with the two uh, eye holes cut in. Yeah. And uh, Charlie Brown can't use scissors and he cut a million holes in his. Uh, I, and I, I can say as someone who lacks even the most basic hand-eye coordination uh, – I very much related to this as a child. I have never been a particularly crafty person. Right. Did you make – when you reached a point where you were like kind of a sentient-ish person, did you make your own Halloween costumes or – No. Um, and the, the costumes that I wanted to be were not sold in stores. So my mom had to make a Princess Leia costume for me. She made a – the only Mulan costume that was available was going to the matchmaker Mulan, which – at the time, I found demeaning. Sure. And so she made me a Mulan joining the army costume. <laughs> Did you help in the process? No, not not even a little bit. It was that, again. It's that same magic where it's just like I want a thing, and then poof, it's there, and you're yeah, not really and sure mean, how the sausage is made. I think all these children dressing as just bedsheet ghosts feeds into our theory from a previous episode about how no clothes ever enter this town. <laughs> Although there are masks. There are masks. Yeah. We don't know how long those have been there, though. Yeah. Those, those could be – that could be Lucy's costume every Halloween for all we know. Yeah, and she does have – it is a, a very funny line, uh, something along – she puts on her witch mask or before she puts it on, she says, you should wear a Halloween costume that is like – A foil to your personality. Yeah, and then puts on a witch mask, which means she believes – And they, they, they kind of pause on it for a moment. Like that's where the studio audience would go, <laughs> oh, that Lucy. I see what we did. No Frida in this episode. No Frida. Or if she's there, no. she does not talk about her naturally curly hair. No, because when Pigpen entered um, as a filthy-ass ghost and everyone went, oh, it's Pigpen, and he was like, how'd you know? I was waiting for Frida to unmask herself. Right. You're messing up my naturally curly ghost hair. <laughs> Just She cuts a hole for her hair to stick out of. I wonder if she asked for too much money for this episode. <laughs> 
She was trying to get hashtag naturally curly. <laughs> or they were, they just couldn't think of a good enough like gag for like how do we put Frida in a ghost costume but also do the naturally curly thing? And they went, we can't. Maybe we, ha- <laughs> we got a cutter. <laughs> they stopped production for weeks <laughs> trying to figure just this out. Workshopping like maquettes and like. <laughs> Just Bill Melendez in like a wig with like a bed sheet trying to figure out how to draw it and it just wasn't coming through. And, and his response when it didn't come through? Yeah. Because he's snoopy. Yeah. Uh, and this is – and the one thing we do learn is uh, this is Sally's – this seems to be Sally's first year that she is old enough or sentient enough to take place in Halloween. Mm-hmm. It has been deemed by the Council of Elders – when she doesn't even know what trick-or-treating is. They have to introduce her to that concept. Yeah. And her response is, are you sure that's legal? Yeah. I don't want to take part in a rumble. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> which uh, she says it and then there's always that. She almost seems to be asking, like, if they were to say, oh, this is assuredly illegal and this is going to be a rumble. You kind of get that sense that Sally's like, all right, I'm up for it. <laughs> Let's do this. Like, she almost seems to be asking, like, maybe hoping a little that the answer is yes. Or just so she knows whether or not to run from the cops. Right. You know? The lumps. The long, the long talent uh. of the lumps. <laughs> and then some lumps fall out of a patrol car. And it's not a siren. It's them going... And uh, this what if what if the sorry no it's okay the, talk, let's talk lumps the the canonical uh, meat lump cops if they don't like just hand, fall on Fox they don't uh, handcuff you they just kind of smother you like Rover from the prisoner is that the big softball yeah the big weather balloon yeah. that just kind of eats people <laughs> are you assimilated into the lump like you oh maybe the- maybe it's just like kind of a gelatinous cube. That's where Shermie went. No. He got lumped. (laughs) He done got lumped. (laughs) There's one lump with that weird, like, Brillo patch of hair. (laughs) Nobody talks about Shermie anymore. Just got Bill Melendez's mustache. That's how they determine Uh, Molly is putting her index finger underneath her nose. In case Josh forgot what a mustache is. (laughs) Oh, that's a mustache. Yeah. A little note, this is one of uh, three times in the episode that Lucy is actually helpful and not a jerk. Uh, Sally Mm. is trying to put on her ghost costume, mistakes the eye holes for sleeves, and without saying anything, Lucy fixes it for her. Yeah. And it's like one of those things where it's like, oh, and she didn't even say, don't be stupid, Sally, or don't be a blockhead or anything like that. She just kind of quietly and quickly sort of takes care of it, much in the way that a big sister would. Yeah. Um, I noted the other two, I think, but I I didn't. I admitted that one. Yeah. Because it's a, it's, a, it's a little throwaway thing. But yeah. it, again, I feel like out of all of the characters, she's the only one who is allowed a little bit of growth. And I wonder if it's because she was just so fucking arch. Yeah. In Charlie Brown All-Stars. She demonstrates actual authority in this. That kind of, it makes sense. It doesn't seem like she would just pummel someone if they didn't listen to her. Right. You know, there's actual leadership. They uh, they walk by the pumpkin patch, which I assume in the geography of this town is dead center it seems of like the it. town. Because yeah. literally to get anywhere, you have to cross through a pumpkin patch. Mm-hmm. And they see Linus there, and they give Linus a ration of shit. 
mm-hmm. uh, as they do throughout the entire episode uh, for being a jerk sitting in a pumpkin patch missing everything. And this is... They introduce the World War One flying ace who then disappears. Yes. Uh, yeah, that's Snoopy's, uh, Snoopy's costume. Uh, he walks through the most... I guess it ties into theme in that everybody's in costume, so why wouldn't they Snoopy They just went be? like, what, does Snoopy have a costume canonically? Yep, here we go. Yeah. But this is where we see uh, Sally trying to uh, – this is where Sally makes her ill-fated decision to stick with Linus instead of going out and experiencing her first trick-or-treating, uh, which le- – and she's – Super dubious at first, and is in fact dubious about this throughout the entire episode, but uh, sticks with it nonetheless. Uh, and she she voices her concerns, and Linus says something along the lines I, of, I wrote like, it down. What is it? Um, said, I thought little girls always believed everything that was told to them. I thought little girls were innocent and trusting. And L- Linus is a monster. Yeah, and Sally responds with, welcome to the 20th century. And my note here was, Linus, this is you. You believe everything that is told to you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Turn the mirror on yourself. <laughs> I didn't understand um, because there's, you know, a really cute sequence where the whole party comes in and razzes Linus for, you know, holding on to something that he made up. And they go, okay, everybody, let's blow this popsicle stand. And as they take Sally away, she kind of looks back and Linus is looking adorable in the pumpkin patch. And she gets little hearts over her head and runs back to him. And he goes, I'm glad, you, you know, basically says, I'm glad that you joined me. And, you know, I'm glad you stuck around. And so they agree to wait and then Sally says, if you try to hold my hand, I'll slug you, which I don't understand her motivation for staying, standing in this pumpkin patch with this boy if she's not interested in holding his hand. Like, her affection seems entirely weirdly distributed. I feel like she can still – she's still allowed to set boundaries for herself. Yeah. Like, this is this – is But, like, all- what is she envisioning her relationship with Linus to be? I think it's I- – I think it's actually pretty much in line with what, certainly when I was a little kid, what my knowledge of, like, love is, mm. which is you just sort of stand next to each other and don't talk and bask in each other's glory. Sure. And then nothing, you know, but then, but still, like, touching is not, it's still icky. Sure. Yeah. Cooties. Yeah, exactly. Cooties and all of that. I also made the note uh, that in this scene and throughout the episode, uh, Sally's torn between her attraction to Linus and the fact that what he's saying is utter nonsense, which I feel like is one of the first important lessons in love we all learn. Mm -hmm. This thing like, oh, this person is wonderful and perfect. Oh, but when they talk, it's awful. Yeah. A note that I made here also was because he keeps talking about how the great pumpkin is drawn to the sincerest pumpkin patch and can he see how sincere this pumpkin patch is? Right. And I, I don't think Sally's commitment to this pumpkin patch is sincere and might have scared off the great pumpkin within Linus's mythos. But still, it seems like insincerity is the sort of buzzword commercialism. I made that, like exa- the- I made that exact same note later on. The, and I guess the opposite of sincere is hypocritical. Maybe. Yeah. I think I think that is a word they used. Yeah, no, he is. It is like not a not a not a sign of hypocrisy to be seen. And then it, but then it brings up the question: What, what is a hypocritical pumpkin patch? And the the only thing I can think is it's the equivalent of the uh, the aluminum tree lot in Charlie Brown Christmas. Oh, that, that's which Linus does not have a problem in the world with, and he's like no. these are nice trees. But um, nobody goes to like, oh, look at this this patch full of 
artificial pumpkins. Like that's not. No, but if it was like if it was a pumpkin, pa- if it was a for-profit pumpkin patch, right? Because this is not. All the pumpkins are on the vine. That's yeah. True. All the pumpkins are on the vine, and you can just walk up and take them. Of course, what will the. <laughs> There's nothing the meat lumps can do but just sort of stare <laughs> with a tear in their eye and go, my pumpkins. Who could you? I need those for absorbing. <laughs> so I think that must – so in Linus's mind – so he and Charlie Brown are kind of of the same minds when it comes to holidays. I made lots of notes about this, yeah, because they both – throughout this special, they, it seems like – Linus in this special and Charlie Brown in All Stars share this delusional, it's going to be okay, it's going to work in the face of almost certain disappointment and failure. And um, if Charlie Brown is defined by unassailable, like almost self-defeating optimism, then what – because Linus is kind of in that stripe, but it's a little – it's sort of a different color and I sort of couldn't figure out. I think we have to filter everything – that Linus does through the concept of faith. Yeah. I put that Charlie Brown seems to believe in people and Linus believes in things. Yes. Um, Intangible things. Yeah. Spirit things. That he, that ultimately disappoint him. Yeah. And that he doesn't learn from. Uh, they both, this happens to both of them and then neither of them ever comfort the other one on it. And no. each one thinks the other one is ridiculous, mm-hmm. which absolutely. If you see people, if you've ever seen people arguing about religion, you know, they're arguing about two abstract concepts, which they believe, and they're like, well, the other person doesn't yeah. believe in this? What a crazy person. So so where are we now? Um, We're to the oh, Halloween go, party. They, well, no. They go trick-or-treating. Oh, yeah. Um, after uh, making fun of uh, Linus and after Sally decides that she's going to stay with him, even though she's really unsure of all of this, mm-hmm. they go trick-or-treating, and it's the famous, I got a candy bar. I got this. I got – oh, maybe – we watched this thing twice in a row, and of course, I've seen it every year of my life, my entire life. <laughs> that first time they yell trick or treat, Molly, they say trick or treat, and then something absolutely incomprehensible. It's like trick or treat, at that first I- trick or treat. They follow it up with like where one would normally say like trick or treat, smell my feet, or trick or treat, something. There is a part two to their trick or treat. Oh, I don't know. We will. I'll, I'll clip it out and I'll put it in, and we'll leave it to the listener sure. to also try to decode. Um, my my only my only theory on that is that they are speaking the, in the tongue of the meat lumps. Yeah, they, they're translating. Yeah, <laughs> trick or treat. Oh, oh, my mistake. <laughs> well, why didn't you say so? Um, and then uh, the candy comes. Flying out the door, untouched by any sort of hands. Yeah, which uh, just a t-shirt cannon full of prizes. <laughs> well, I what I believe what I like to believe is that the <laughs> the lumps hoover them into their mouths <laughs> and then go. Puh. Well, if they're <laughs> if they can just roll over things and collect them, maybe it's this Katamari Damashi kind of situation. <laughs> um, and they just kind of roll over a bunch of candy and then go, <laughs> and it just blasts out their torso. <laughs> Um, Which would explain why there are random rocks. Oh, I have a different theory about that. Okay. Uh, Because, of course, all the other kids get uh, snacks and treats and money and cookies and other things that kids today could never – cookies for a Halloween Popcorn balls, yeah. Yeah. Stuff – now they would just be like, oh, great. I can just fill that with razor blades. (laughs) Um, Not me personally. I (laughs) don't want to kill children. You just like sneaking razor blades into things? It's just – it's a – 
hobby. Keeps people on their toes. It does. And there's always it's a great party trick when you shave with a popcorn ball. <laughs> I'm the hit of all of my nice parties. caramel lather. <laughs> Uh, I think it's I think it's a code I, that uh, the meat lumps want Charlie Brown to uh, rise up against his oppressors, because essentially what they've given him is a pillowcase full of rocks. Oh, so this is like their way of saying you're the chosen one, Charlie Brown. <laughs> there is a, there is an imbalance. There was a prophecy that a ghost full of holes would come to our door and free us from this flesh prison. <laughs> you are that chosen one. Wait, is it? Do they want, are they asking them to kill, like, Brundlefly? Is it like, please, beat us with the sack of rocks, with gelatinous. <laughs> Maybe it's Shermie. Maybe Shermie is, like, trapped in one of the lumps, and oh he's like, gosh. Charlie Brown, you got to help me out. <laughs> I'm stuck in this meat lump. And then, uh, and then after uh, some trick-or-treating, we get to... Uh, the real th- – what we all think of when we think of Halloween, which is, of course, World War One. Yeah. Though I, I would like to just back up real quick and point out that as they are trick-or-treating, one of two moments where Lucy demonstrates like actual sort of sibling-style Yep, good call. I, I noted this as well. Because it's I, – I, like there are these sort of little thoughtful things that could be construed as sibling-type affection for Linus because – she collects can- – she asks, like, could I get an extra piece of candy for my stupid brother who's sitting on a stupid pumpkin patch? And then takes, I think, to camera and says, it's so embarrassing to have to accommodate the, my idiot brother who's sitting on a pumpkin patch right now. But the fact is she still goes out of her way to make sure he's not missing out, which Charlie Brown does not do for Sally. No. Um, and that's one of sort of two, like, oh, they actually kind of maybe function as siblings when she's not threatening to pummel him. Although, although it should be noted that – she did absolutely have the option of saying, oh, hey, my brother couldn't make it. Or, hey, could I just get an extra piece of candy for my brother? And then keeping it all to herself? But that, Or no, uh, but then not saying because he's a stupid jerk who's in a stupid pumpkin patch like a stupid jerk. Sure. Like it is very important that – and I can picture like whoever's handing out the candy, be they meat lump or human, just going like, yeah, I didn't ask, kid. Just, mm-hmm. whatever, just please take an extra Get off piece. my step. Yeah, please. Move, move it along. There's a traffic flow that you're <laughs> disrupting here. But yes, we – again, it's a little bit of growth on Lucy's part. She's not just – she's not just a monster. Mm-hmm. Um, although certainly like everybody in this universe, she is a jerk. Uh, but a slightly nicer jerk. Uh, and then we are into the Snoopy segment. Which is three days long. Which is a very long time. And I think I said this up – front but again it's if if in fact the uh production team was doing this making this special somewhat against their will uh then i like the idea that they were like oh you want a halloween special huh how about a dog being shot at (laughs) how about that was this was this weird for you the first time you saw i don't know what your memories are of this but i watching it again i'm like there are bullets whizzing. There's smoke. I mean, we're still squarely in the land of fantasy, but this could this could be a little terrifying. No, I mean, because I this sort of pe- the Peanuts TV specials and the strips kind of entered my brain at the same time as like the Hundred Acre Wood sort of Winnie the Pooh canon, and so I remember comparing Eeyore to Charlie Brown and thinking, why why does everything that is a bummer only happen to them? Why doesn't why do why do none of these bummers happen to these other characters? Right. And I also 
the tapes that we had were this one, the Halloween special, and the Christmas special, and Bon Voyage and What Have We Learned, Charlie Brown. And so I spent a lot of time watching Snoopy go through the French countryside, and that seemed pretty right. normal. And in, well, I mean, we'll get to it in season 25, but in What Have We Learned, Charlie Brown, there is an extended sequence where they superimpose the peanuts into actual footage of people like coming onto the shores at normandy beach that is a terrible special it's one of my favorites but i also don't have a giant base to work from <laughs> well it's weird. it's because my, and i feel like this applies for a lot of pieces of entertainment that have become people's favorites over the years there's a nostalgic coding there's a nostalgic to it and it's also like if this is one of the four tapes you had in your house mm-hmm. you are going to it's going to imprint upon you yeah and there are like there are certainly things that I did not see until I was an adult person. Like I did not see Nightmare Before Christmas until I was nineteen. Right. And my friends were like, This is the best. I love this song. And I was like, This is garbage. I hate this. Yes, I saw that in college and I was kinda like, This is lesser Tim Burton. Yeah. This is not my favorite. Like I understand why people like Edward Scissorhands, but I recognize I don't have that sheen on sure. it as other people. Um, and I accept that what if we learned Charlie Brown is one of those. Now what if we learned Charlie Brown is basically like B-sides and demos of Bon Voyage Charlie Brown, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's sort of like it's, a sum up? They, they, yeah, they kind of, I think they went, um, after Bon Voyage Charlie Brown, they were like, that was not quite as educational as we wanted it to be. Right. What can we, what is something that we can sell to elementary schools and middle schools for $30 a tape? <laughs> so, a dog is gunned down in cold blood. Yeah. Shot okay. out of the sky. After a, again, for the time... A beautiful, impressionistic animation sequence. Mm-hmm. Like, the artwork in all of the World War I stuff is lovely. Yeah. But it keeps going is the surprising thing. Is it's The sequence starts with, like, Snoopy sitting on his doghouse, imagining things around him. And, you know, then there's kind of explosions and there's bullets. And you go, oh, okay, imaginative play. And then he gets off his doghouse. And then he is, like, going through trenches. And he's, you know, right. hiding they, out in a barn. And they take they take time... Uh, normally in the strip, Snoopy narrates his own story. Right. And in this case, it is a kind of half-assed Charlie Brown narration. Uh, yeah. Because somebody has to say something. Well, because uh, it's a, where's Snoopy? Oh, well, the World War One flying ace is probably getting off his sock with Camel and he's crawling through the dirt. Like, well, he does, and he does say, to? and this stinks of a network note, because uh, he, he says, here's the World War One flying ace imagining he's been shot down over France. Yeah. Um, and that, because, and that must have, they must have asked for that because otherwise it's just like, we've broken continuity. What's going on? Yeah. What's happening. But we take a break from the, uh, from the two hours Snoopy getting shot special, uh, to go to the party, uh, which actually looks like an awful lot of fun. Oh, well, they, the, the kids finish their trick or treating, swing through the pumpkin patch again, because Mm -hmm. of course to get anywhere, you have to go through the pumpkin patch. Right. Um, to laugh and point and be derisive at Linus again. And Sally sort of reasserts that if this is not real, she is going to be furious. Right. And it seems more and more like Sally realizes she has made the wrong call. Right. Um, and Linus is just like, no, it's going to be great. He says nothing but sincerity as far as the eye can see. Yeah. Because he's not looking at Sally, apparently. Oh, good call. Damn. Zing. So it so he never does he does never turn on Sally though. He never says like, oh, no, this is He only turns on Charlie Brown and that's at the very end of the special. And he turns on himself. He goes full Van Pelt, yeah. Oh, oi. 
yeah, that's the, the 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 we'll get to it. But the closing credit sequence of this is is Linus sounding like he's doing like the Art Bell radio show, just chewing, just <laughs> chewing on Charlie Brown. And then there's a nice little vignette where we go back to the Halloween party, and it, it's a looks like a really fun party. It does, and they. I, th- I think Violet or Lucy is like, hey, Charlie Brown, can we use you as a model? And Charlie Brown's like, yes. And then they draw a jack-o'-lantern template on the back of his head. Every he's... pumpkin design since the dawn of man. Mm-hmm. Like, they really, it's like, oh, we should really, we should beta test this first yeah. before we draw it on Let's a pumpkin. make sure. And then proceed to draw literally what every jack-o'-lantern has ever looked like. And I, as a kid, I did not understand how this was a diss. Because Charlie Brown's embarrassed and he gets the little sort of angry Schultz cloud over his head. Yeah. But I thought, like, oh, she just gave you a free costume. That's probably not Sharpie. It probably washes off, and it suits you. That's your costume for the year, Charlie Brown. I think Charlie Brown is sensitive about the fact that he has a giant round head not softened by the by hair. I mean, they always refer to him as that round-headed kid. Right. All of these children have round heads. Like, that's just... No, that's Linus these... is kind of a lumpy head. Oh, that's true. Sally has a round head, but I guess she certainly does. But they're, they're siblings, yeah. But I, th- but maybe Charlie Brown. I think Charlie Brown is sensitive about it, sensitive about the fact that he does not have any hair, um, and is just uh, and feel. And maybe when they said we want you to model for us, he imagined himself in like silks and Valentina. like draw me like one of your French girls, yeah, <laughs> yeah or or maybe like you know like a sharp new suit. Or something like that. We're going to sculpt you into or, the side of this pumpkin. Or possibly he's going to get another uh, terrible sweatshirt. Yeah. But none of that is true. They just no. uh, they just draw on his head. But other than this and the getting a bag full of rocks, it's a pretty okay day for him. Sure. You know, he he he's a guest at this party and he gets to trick or treat with a group of people. And he and Linus absorbs all the yelling at on his behalf. Yeah. And it's a pretty good day for him. It is. He, I'm happy I mean, for him. he doesn't get... He gets no candy. No. And that's sad. Uh, and his costume is terrible, although... He did that to himself, though. He did, he did do that to himself. And, uh, yeah, no, other than that, it's like he's more... And it's weird that this is the first time that it's a, it's a blank Charlie Brown because he's kind of on the sidelines for it, which, by the way, I didn't have a problem Fine. with. Fine, yeah. Um it was nice to get a little break from his whining, yeah. quite frankly. It was nice to knock Linus off his high horse, too. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know what happened to Linus over the course of these three episodes. Yeah. Because it seems like he got, like there was like a Flowers for Algernon thing that happened. Because he <laughs> is genius level in that first special. And by this point, he's just like rolling around in dirt going, the pumpkin's coming. <laughs> <laughs> Super upsetting. They bob for apples. We get a callback uh, to uh, Charlie Brown Christmas and Lucy's almost. Oh, but between a oh. dra- drawing on Charlie Brown's head and uh, dog germs, we get another 45 minutes of Snoopy going, f- finding his way through the French countryside. Oh, yes, of course. Of course. Um, uh, he, st- he sneaks through the French countryside, which again, looks great. Yeah. I don't have any of those cells up on my wall as art. And I feel like this is something they couldn't have really done in the strips i don't think you could have dedicated a week's arc to no dialogue snoopy just hiding in a barn hiding in a trench yeah it i there was the uh it was just real rich and it you know pat it was definitely padding for time but it was still you know not unpleasant to look at it was super cool to look at i think maybe when i was a kid i got a little bored by those segments sure maybe but uh no for the most part 
They're very cool to look at. And then he sneaks into an abandoned farmhouse, which, of course, is just imaginary. And it turns out to be the kid's party. Right. He hides himself underwater in a barrel of apples. Lucy bobs for them. And their lips meet. Mm-hmm. And it's, a, as we were saying, a callback to Lucy's almost Howard Hughesian fear of, <laughs> of dog mouths. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at this point... Uh, Snoopy has learned to take it in stride. He has owned his dog germs. Yeah. I feel like that dog germs arc has resolved. I feel he's in a much better place about his dog germs. Yeah. Because in the Christmas special, he's like, oh, she rejects rejects my dog germs. But he's just leaning into it. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I got dog germs. What of it? Jealous. And then he goes, sits by Schroeder's piano. By the way, Schroeder, 100% tolerable in this episode because he does not talk. He has no lines. He has no lines and he just plays the piano, which is basically all Schroeder should ever do uh, because he is especially, as we pointed out in the last episode, especially noxious yeah. in that last episode. Uh, but this, he's just, he plays a couple of World War One songs. One makes Snoopy laugh. One makes Snoopy cry. Snoopy leaves the party crying. Real and, heroic voice work by Bill Melendez in this yeah, scene as well. Absolutely. And I, I also made the note, Snoopy leaves the party in tears, which I can also relate to. Mm-hmm. I think we've all been there. And then that brings us to our... To our rollicking conclusion, which is Snoopy goes back to his weird cosplay of World War One, his LARP. Yeah. Snoopy's basically he's, LARPing. He's LARPing. Yeah, yeah. In this episode. He can he goes back to LARPing and sort of belly crawls into the pumpkin patch where uh Sally has now almost had it up to here with this bullshit, but has not left. Because I think she wants presents. Yeah, I think it's I, I, I think she's she doesn't want to admit that she made the wrong choice. Right. She wants to, and she and she wants to to, to answer it on someone else's head if yeah. if she is wrong. Um, I've seen this play out in both my own and other people's relationships. Mm-hmm. I feel like where it's like I am not going. I'm going to outlast you. <laughs> there can be only one. <laughs> Snoopy uh, crawls into the pumpkin patch, and by the light of the moon, looks like Snoopy. Only bigger, yeah. but that's an, that's good enough for Linus, who is now maybe has not eaten in days. Perhaps like, there, there's some kind of fasting element that comes with uh, with waiting for the great pumpkin because he sees Snoopy uh, and then passes out. Yep, out cold. Yeah, donezo, uh, and then wakes up and Sally's just like, "Well, you, my friend." Are a piece of shit. Right. Uh, and I think goes easy on him, quite frankly, considering... I think she's spread it out over the whole evening. Yeah. But this is... She... I feel like Sally has been preparing herself for this eventuality. As the evening has gone on and on, she has realized that she has made a horrible, horrible mistake and is just like, well, this is the final straw. Right. You thought my dog was the great pumpkin. There is no great pumpkin. She threatens a lawsuit. Yeah. She, she she says that he owes her restitutions. Yes. And, well, because she, I wrote down, she says, but no, I had to listen to you, you blockhead. And I wrote, you didn't have to listen to him, girlfriend. You, right. You completely, you knew when you got here that this might turn out this way. She, well, again, it's that, it's that, tor- she's being torn between her, like, lizard brain attraction to Linus and which sort of overrode any common sense that she might have. Yeah. Uh, and now she feels like 
a butt. Yeah, she's been made to look like a butt in front of all her friends. Yeah, who leave the party, I might add. Yeah. Like all of the kids, she makes such a ruckus that, uh, you know, the party comes to a dead stop. Because let's all- not forget the pumpkin patch is in the center of town. Right. Uh, or possibly just like maybe across the street from the, oh, but it's not Lucy's house. Because it's a short walk from Lucy's house. There's only like four or five families in this town. That's true. And if all of the kids live in the same house. Yeah. That Because I was about to say, well, it's Violet's party. But maybe this year it was just like Lucy just sort of deigned, this year you will throw the party. This year you're responsible for cleaning up because you live in this house tonight. Yeah. <laughs> um, so they all of the kids, uh, all of the kids leave their party to watch a little girl yell at a little boy. Sure, and then I, I would. <laughs> hey, what's going on over there? We gotta go check that out. <laughs> Sounds like some screaming, and it's not at me. <laughs> I think all of the kids in this town are so shell shocked by how on edge everybody is at all times. It's like, oh, somebody else is getting a ration of shit. Let's watch. <laughs> but they see from All Stars. It seems like this town it runs on yelling. Yes. You know, so they're like, oh, so there's a good old-fashioned yelling at going out in the pumpkin patch. Let's go. Uh, it's like how, how people used to gather around for hangings. It's This is the, the equivalent in this town. It's the town yelling? T- yeah, there's a yelling going on. Yeah, at, the y- at the yonder pumpkin patch. There's t- someone's y- <laughs> a gather around the yelling stick. <laughs> uh, so everybody leaves Linus to his own stupid devices. Yeah. And this is when Linus fucks it up for himself. By getting his pronouns wrong. Yeah. Well, he no, he says, uh, you know, you guys, will, you'll feel so dumb if the great pumpkin comes. Oh, no, I said if. Yeah. And which, because, I mean, when he comes, and I was wondering, one, why is the great pumpkin, pumpkin gendered? And why is it so tetchy about whether or not someone believes in it? Like, is, that, is just his theory, like, we didn't believe hard enough, and that's why the Great Pumpkin has passed us over all that these must, years? That must be the... Uh, that must be the mechanism sin- to keep him in line. The, and the sincerity portion of yeah. it. Yeah. Like, we... It's not that the pumpkin patch is sincere. It's that we are imbuing it yeah. with the spirit of sincerity and not hypocrisy because... <laughs> That would just mean we are we are only believing in the great pumpkin to receive presents. Right, okay. Whereas if one sincerely believes in the great pumpkin, just, that is just a visit is enough. Yeah. Just the blessing of the great pumpkin. Um though I, I noticed in this scene too when everybody ditched Linus to just kind of be delusional in the field by himself. Because... <clears throat> um, Everyone was kind of naysaying that Sally is the naysayer in this episode, and usually it's Lucy. But when Charlie Brown is confronted by naysayers, he goes, yeah, you're right, I suck. <laughs> but Linus, in the face of like, you're an idiot, and I can't believe I trusted you, Linus goes, you'll see. Yeah. I will win the day. Yes. Um, very much unlike Charlie Brown, who goes, yeah, you're right, I suck. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we cut to – so Linus is left alone. In a pumpkin patch yeah, to die. W- worried that he <laughs> that he has sabotaged himself. That he has blown it for himself. And now, of course, he must stay through to the entire... To prove his sincerity. To prove his sincerity. Yeah. Uh, and we cut to four o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. Lucy wakes up in her grand suite. In her four-post bed. Yeah. Feeling... Real opulent stuff here. Feeling what can only be described as a disturbance in the forest. Like, she wakes up and she's like... The Miss Clavel style. Something's not right. I don't know what that means. Oh, Madeline? No. Oh, you were not a little girl in the 60s. It, that's usually how these things would start. In the middle of the night, Miss Clavel turned on the light and said something is not right. And it was usually Madeline's gone out adventuring in Paris. Got it. But then, you know, this nun would go running through the house like, where's all my children's? 
She wakes up at four o'clock in the morning, realizes that Linus is not there, goes to the across the street to the pumpkin patch mm-hmm. where where it's just the place to hang out, um, and there is Linus asleep and shivering. And she she this is the second sort of display of sibling like at least attention, if yeah. not like it's. I don't know if it's a display of affection or not because she seems kind of cheesed about even having to go get him, but she brings him inside. Puts him in bed, takes off his shoes, and then stomps off to bed. Right. But never calls him a blockhead. Doesn't wake him up. Doesn't, doesn't... chide him yeah. or anything. She's like, my she... baby brother is asleep outside, covered by this thin blanket. Yeah. she just, just Her expression is, oh, this again. Okay. Um, I guess. And it's... It certainly reminded me of my relationship with my sibling and that sort of like, you know, there is that we are constantly at each other's throats, but there is a there's a baseline of like respect. Yeah. And like this is right, what we do. Yeah. We are we, family. We have to do these things uh, for each other. You are the oldest out of your. I'm the oldest and I have two younger brothers. So I have a Linus and a rerun effectively. Effectively, did your uh, did your brothers have any cuckoo beliefs when you were growing up that you were like? I'm trying. I guess my question is because it has been it has been stated in this in uh, what we've done with these so far that you were sort of the Lucy of your household. That's how it was cast. Yeah. Yes. Um, did you have sort of that Linus Lucy relationship with your younger brother? Um, well, I was definitely sort of cast as the sort of crabby bossy one and i accepted that and and i i distinctly remember being brought into the whole santa thing you know the year where i went there's no santa right oh no there isn't but we need you to put together this thing for your brothers who still believe that there is a santa wait put together what thing like a packet of materials and research or yeah no it was uh we need you to put together the dissertation A PowerPoint presentation. It was a Connects uh, roller coaster. And so my parents were like, we don't want to put this together. And conveniently enough, you don't believe in Santa anymore. Oh, so it was a gift from Santa. Yeah. And so uh, I, in going, hey, there's no Santa, I became Santa. It's kind of how. <laughs> there's, there's something very ty- uh, Highlander about that. Mm-hmm. You have taken on the mantle. Yeah. And you did it and you did not spill the beans to your brother. No. Even though I'm sure we, we continue, with every atom in your body you wanted to. That we continue not to spill the beans for him. He's got all these kind of, like, oh, we're maybe not sure if you should talk to yourself aloud on the bus, Duve. But, like, you know, it comforts him. And so we kind of go, okay, well, maybe maybe if you want to scream while you're yawning, we'll allow you to do that. That kind of thing. <laughs> no resolution to the story as we know it. No. As we, as we know, again, sort of speaking dramaturgically. And speaking of stories with a beginning, middle, and end, uh, and this is sort of the unifying factor uh, through the three specials that we've watched so far, there's no happy ending. No, and the universe does kind of reset itself. It's not like, yeah. well, thank God that great pumpkin phase is over. Like, Yeah, but, uh, but Linus doesn't – yeah, Linus doesn't go, I guess he's not real. Charlie Brown doesn't get – a piece of can you know what I mean? Like again, I'm always looking for things that in other holiday specials or in other children's specials, there is this urge to sort of right all of the wrongs. Mm-hmm. And no wrongs go right it. Linus still believes in the Great Pumpkin. Charlie Brown still has a bag of rocks. Sally still missed her first Halloween. It wasn't like there's a scene where it's like, all right, well, we'll take you trick-or-treating, Sally, and yeah. you know, with leftover or everybody gives Sally a piece of candy or whatever. 
No, None of that. it's just it. The last scene of the of the special is Charlie, uh, Charlie Brown, and uh, Linus at their thinking wall. Yeah. Um, and Linus is like, "Well, we'll, you know, this was too bad, but we'll get it together for next year." And Charlie Brown tries to comfort Linus. Yeah. But because he's Charlie Brown, does so in a backhanded, terrible way by yeah. saying, "Like, don't feel too bad, Linus." And there's that split second where we in the audience go. Oh, this will be a nice reversal from like the first special, and now it will be Charlie Brown sort of soothing Linus's soul. Yeah. Don't feel too bad. I've done plenty of stupid things too. And Linus goes classic Van Pelt on him. Postal, Come- screaming over, and that is what slowly takes us- fading out over the credits. Yeah, that is what, and that's what takes us out of the special. You'll see, Charlie Brown. You'll see. There's definitely a great pumpkin, and you're an asshole, and <laughs> and you expect him to start like shouting about chemtrails, and like he really does sound like an absolute zealot. Yeah. Um, <laughs> They're building a soundstage right now. They're not going to land on the moon. <laughs> So, Molly, hmm? do you think if someone had never seen any peanut specials before, this would be a good one to start them out with? I think so. I think that there – I feel like in All-Stars, which we agreed would also be a good introduction, but people aren't painted in the same extremes. And, you know, even like Lucy, who is usually just the villain and like why does anybody keep her around, had little moments of sort of – not, I wouldn't call it compassion, but sort of little thoughtful things yeah. where you go, oh, she's, she functions in a system. She's not just this tyrant. And it's I, – I mean I kind of don't like the direction that the Sally character goes from like the second special onward. But it kind of sets the table for the rest of the, of the specials. Yeah. And it hits all the beats of sort of – I feel like the, the second to last thing they do in any Peanut special is someone does something – a little thoughtful that kind of makes it better, but it yeah. doesn't solve anything. It's just kind of a nice gesture. It, uh, what I referred to in the first episode is tiny miracles. Like yeah. That's, and that's always what this universe is built around. It's, it's the best we can hope for each Nothing other. ever gets fixed, but little things happen. Little acts of kindness happen that makes things better. I don't know if I would – I'm not 100% sure if I would use this as like the entree into this world. It's not a very good introduction to Charlie Brown as a dude. No. Because he's, I mean, I feel like a lot of the stuff is not his fault. The crappy stuff that happens. To well, that him. that brings that brings upon this question uh, that we we will always try and ask: Did Charlie Brown bring this upon himself? I don't think so. He doesn't do anything. He no. he makes a very bad costume. Um, but that's not that's not a punishable offense. No, although and and then everybody and then all the meat lumps spit rocks at him. Yeah. Which again is and I actually would I would go as far as to say that maybe this is the first time in these three specials that we see the world actively conspiring against Charlie Brown yeah. even though he hasn't done anything. Yeah. Particularly. He's just trying to participate. Yeah. And I mean he comes home with a bag of rocks but at least he tried. Yes. You know, I think after the first house he could have gone, well, this is shit and then just gone home. Yeah. But um, there's always there's always another house. There's always another football. There's always another baseball game. There's mm-hmm. always that is. I mean, that is Charlie Brown in a nutshell. Yeah, is that hope that like maybe this next time somebody will not fuck this up for me. Yeah, or I will not fuck it up for this myself. time. It's gonna work. And as far as an antagonist goes, it's not Lucy. No, it's not anybody. 
is Linus the antagonist? Like, I, is Linus both the protagonist and the antagonist because he's his own worst enemy? Or is it the Germans? Is it the Kaiser? <laughs> yeah, let's just, when we don't red, know, let's just red, say it's, it's the Red Baron. It's the Reds. <laughs> the re- <laughs> well, I mean, I feel like Sally doesn't really contribute in any positive way. Um, she could have just left Linus alone. Yeah. And she, gotten her candy. She makes a bad decision and, and then, then blames Linus. She's a classic blame others. Yeah. There's sort of a blame self. Like, I think I, um, Linus and Charlie Brown are both blame selves. And Sally and Lucy are classic blame others. Yes, we get a big chunk of that in All Stars uh, where Lucy strikes out Mm -hmm. and then blames the bat. She goes, oh, the bat's too light and the ball's too heavy and it can't bat in the sun. Yeah. Just uh, just four things all at once. There's really really not a lesson to be learned about Halloween necessarily. There may not be a lesson to be learned about anything in this special. Not in most of them, really. Yeah. Well... Did we learn anything about sincerity or, you know, hypocrisy or... No, we, about as much as we learned about commercialism in the first episode in that it is a three... You know, these, this is a long word that one of the kids heard mm-hmm. and went, oh, sincerity. Yeah. No, I don't know if... There is zero lesson to be learned from that. But let's try anyways. Hey, Molly. <laughs> yes? What did you learn? Um, I learned... That one little slip will cause the great pumpkin to pass you by. <laughs> was anybody written out of type in this one, do you think? I, I feel like... I really kind of don't know what Linus's type is anymore. No, he's a mess. Yeah. He's a mess. He went... Like I said, it's like the reverse flowers for... Or the flowers for Algernon, where he's like... In that first episode, he is wise. He is helpful. Mm-hmm. He is kind. He picks his moment. He picks his moment. Yeah. Um, and then from there, he's just like... A doofus. Yeah. And in this, he is peak doofus. Peak doof. I learned you should not jump into a pile of leaves with a wet lollipop. I wouldn't do that, but I guess it's good to, you know, mm-hmm. a good thing to be reminded. Uh, anything else? Um, I've learned that uh, Schroeder knows a lot of World War One songs. I'm Josh Kagan. I'm Molly Lewis. This is Peanuts Gallery. Trick or treats come only once a year. And I miss it by sitting in a pumpkin patch with a blockhead. You owe me restitution! Questions? Comments? Concerns? Tweet them at us at at Peanuts Podcast. You blockheads. 